Welcome to the official Slate Star Codex podcast for December 10th, 2019. Title, Adversarial Collaboration Contest. Is Infant Circumcision Ethical? This is an entry to the 2019 Adversarial Collaboration Contest by Joel P. and Missing No. Podcast note. The Adversarial Collaboration Contest is one of the best things Scott does, but it's also a lot of recording in a very short time, so I've brought in the very Australian solenoid entity to help out. Normally he just edits the podcast, but on this special occasion we're going to let him get in front of the mic. At this point I'll turn it over to him. Thanks Jeremiah. Quote, they practice circumcision for cleanliness sake, for they would rather be clean than more becoming. End quote. Herodotus, The Histories, 2.37 The debate over circumcision in the Western world today is surprisingly similar to the conflict that Greeks and Egyptians faced two and a half thousand years ago. Supporters tend to emphasise its hygiene and health benefits, opponents tend to call it cruel or to emphasise its deviation from the natural human form. In this adversarial collaboration, we address medical aspects, sensitivity and pleasure, and ethical aspects of infant circumcision. Effect on penile cancer. Circumcision greatly reduces the relative rate of penile cancer, a relatively uncommon malignancy in developed nations, which kills a little over 400 American men each year. Denmark, while it has one of the lowest rates of penile cancer for a non-circumcising country, nevertheless has 10 times the rate of penile cancer as Israel, where almost all men are circumcised. Likewise, a Kaiser Permanente study, link in post, of patients with penile cancer found that 16% of patients with carcinoma in situ had been circumcised. Only 2% of patients with invasive penile cancer had been circumcised. Since the circumcision rate of Kaiser patients of the appropriate age was around 50%, this is in line with the 90% reduction. While these are observational rather than prospective trials, the magnitude of the reduction is quite high. It is unlikely to be simply due to class or race, given that it exists when comparing countries and when comparing individuals within the same healthcare system. Additionally, there is some association of penile cancer with HPV, Lincoln Post, and a very strong association with phimosis, link in post. And circumcision reduces the rate of both of these. This provides a highly plausible theoretical explanation of how circumcision might lead to this risk reduction in penile cancer. However, this does raise the question of whether more aggressive future treatment of phimosis combined with HPV vaccination might reduce the rate of penile cancer in uncircumcised men in the future somewhat. Of course, more aggressive treatment of phimosis would require more childhood circumcisions, which carry a higher risk than infant circumcision. Effect on transmission of HIV and STDs. HIV. Three large randomized controlled trials have been performed in South Africa, Lincoln Post, Uganda, Lincoln Post, and Kenya, Lincoln Post, together comprising over 11,000 men. These men were randomised to be circumcised or not at the start of the studies for primary HIV prevention. The reduction in female to male HIV transmission seen in these studies is about 50%. This is consistent with observational studies and is the highest quality evidence. Three independent, large-scale, randomised controlled trials with similar results scrutinised by the Cochrane Collaboration. Link in post. 
The studies were terminated early due to positive results, which is appropriate ethical practice, but which can tend to overestimate positive effects. However, the data is consistent with observational data, so this is less likely a concern. Some have expressed the concern that the two groups did not receive identical HIV counselling. It is true that the circumcision group felt much more comfortable having sex without condoms, and additional counselling was given to the circumcision group to tell them this was not adequate protection. Condom use was, despite the counselling, lower in the circumcision group than in control. In one sense, this means that the protective benefits of circumcision versus HIV might be understated. In another sense, this creates a large concern with advertising circumcision for the stated purpose of HIV prevention. Any such efforts must be careful not to oversell the benefits and thereby reduce condom usage. Additionally, the results are only applicable to heterosexual HIV transmission. Homosexual transmission has not been shown to be decreased by circumcision, presumably because of the extremely high risk of receptive anal sex. IV drug-related transmission is almost certainly unaffected except via herd immunity. The data for other STIs is far less compelling than for HIV. Secondary endpoints of the African HIV studies were other STIs, and rates of HPV and HSV were reduced by circumcision. This was only a secondary outcome, however, and other studies have had mixed results. The data for lower rates of bacterial vaginosis and trichomonas in female partners of circumcised men is somewhat stronger, Lincoln Post. However, none of these benefits are nearly as strongly supported or as high impact as the HIV reduction. Additionally, when comparing the benefits and harms of an intervention such as circumcision, there are strong reasons not to consider the benefits that accrue to the patient's future partners, but instead to focus only on the individual in question. It is ironic that the evidence for reduction in other STIs is fairly weak, because as historian David Golliher shows in Circumcision, a history of the world's most controversial surgery, this is the primary reason the US adopted widespread circumcision in the early 20th century. There had been very small-scale interest in circumcision due to religious ideas about masturbation and ideas about balanitis and phimosis causing systemic illness, but these ideas do not appear to have motivated a large number of circumcisions. Mainstream circumcision of healthy males caught on as a way to reduce STI rates, particularly syphilis. Physicians, both in the US and UK, saw the far lower rates of STIs Jews experienced than Gentiles and attributed these primarily to circumcision. In the US, the time was just right for such STI reduction efforts. Worries about infection were widespread and an increasing number of people were adopting hospital births where there was ready access to a physician able to perform a circumcision. Meanwhile, during World War I and World War II, the military offered circumcision to many conscripts to protect versus STIs. The wealthier officer class already having a much higher circumcision rate than the enlisted men, as more of their parents could afford hospital births. The UK's experience of World War I and World War II was quite different from the US's. For one thing, STIs ranked far lower on the set of risks to soldiers. And rather than seeing a boom in hospital births, the UK's medical resources were strained during World War I and World War II. Circumcision was seen as something of a waste compared to the UK's more pressing needs. Presumably, arguments that positively represented Jews as having low STI rates did not catch on in early 20th century mainland Europe to nearly the extent that was seen in the US and the UK. Effect on UTIs 
In the first year of life, the rate of UTIs is approximately 1% per year among uncircumcised boys and 0.1 of 1% to 0.2 of 1% among circumcised boys. Particularly in the first year of life, UTIs can be severe, causing fever and hospitalization, Lincoln Post, as well as permanent kidney damage, Lincoln Post. Circumcision is presumably protective against UTI, primarily by reducing the bacterial load around the urethra. Some sources have suggested that the difference is primarily one of contamination during sampling. However, studies looking only at clean-catch urine samples or suprapubic tap samples give similar reductions of around 90% link in post. Unlike many of the other benefits listed above, UTI avoidance is specifically a benefit of infant circumcision. Effect on penile problems. Many penile problems such as balanitis, the inflammation of the glands, pathologic phimosis, the inability to retract the foreskin, and paraphimosis, foreskin entrapment requiring emergency treatment to preserve the penis, are prevented by circumcision. Others, including metal stenosis, scarring, and bleeding, are caused by circumcision. A New Zealand cohort study directly comparing, Lincoln Post, the incidence of penile problems requiring intervention found a rate of 1.1% in circumcised children and 1.8% in uncircumcised children when followed to the age of 8. Risks of surgery. The risks of surgery include pain, bleeding, bruising, inadequate foreskin removal, excess skin removal, swelling, metal stenosis, scarring, infection, and anaesthetic complications. These are different based on age group. Neonatal circumcision is associated with much lower risk of complications than other age groups. However, studies show a wide range of rates of complication dependent on practitioner training level. Overall, Lincoln Post, the rate of minor complications, bleeding or bruising, is around 1.5% worldwide, and the rate of major complications, scar, severe infection, metal stenosis, or the need for additional surgery, is less than 0.2 of 1%. In comparison, the risk of complications in children past infancy and adults is approximately 6% with trained pr- practitioners, significantly higher than for infant circumcision. Indeed, the majority of cases of the most severe complication, penectomy, related to circumcision appear to occur in people who were not circumcised as infants. This would include both adults with penile cancer as well as children undergoing phimosis surgery, as in the infamous case of David Reimer. Sensitivity and sexual satisfaction. There is a highly plausible mechanism by which circumcision could reduce sexual sensitivity. The foreskin is highly innovated. 20,000 nerve endings is often repeated, but this appears to be a case of cytogenesis, Lincoln Post, and is likely far too high. Produces lubrication for the penis and is sensitive to light touch. Several studies demonstrate that the foreskin is more sensitive to certain forms of non-sexual stimulation than other parts of the penis. The glands itself does not change in sensitivity, Lincoln Post, from circumcision. Sexual satisfaction, particularly in sexually active heterosexual men, seems to be unchanged with adult circumcision. During studies of adult circumcision for HIV prevention, in which large numbers of men were randomized to receive circumcision at the time of the study or after, sexual satisfaction did not significantly differ between age groups. On the one hand, a South Korean, Lincoln Post, study of men circumcised as adults, 
as has become traditional there, found decreased pleasure from masturbation after circumcision. It is certainly possible that both of these things are true, that masturbation is impaired by adult circumcision while intercourse is not. It is also possible that the Korean study, retrospective, smaller than the African studies and with much higher rates of scarring than those observed in the US, was unrepresentative. There are two European studies which are frequently cited. Cohort studies look at circumcised and uncircumcised men in Denmark and Belgium. However, circumcision is quite rare in these countries and the majority of circumcisions in the study groups were performed to correct problems such as phimosis. They are thus comparing men who had penile problems requiring surgical correction to men who did not. It is therefore unclear why they are frequently cited in discussions of elective circumcision. No available studies actually measure sensitivity to sexual stimulation, which is of course an important topic, but one requiring consummate professionalism on the part of the researcher. We are left waiting for such a study, but in the meantime may reasonably fear that there is some decrease in at least masturbatory pleasure due to circumcision, even though the evidence for this is weak. The evidence does not support any change in sexual pleasure otherwise. Infant circumcision may be different than adult circumcision in addition. If circumcision eliminates important nerves, due to brain plasticity, infants are likely better able than adults to reassign the portions of the brain processing the foreskin to other areas of the penis. A large survey, Lincoln Post, of circumcised and uncircumcised men in the US, where infant circumcision is the most common, found similar sensation in circumcised and uncircumcised men the uncircumcised men appear to have had slightly higher incidences of sexual dysfunction. Also of interest, circumcised men appear to have an easier time attaining oral sex, which may relate to subtle aspects of class or may have to do with the perceived cleanliness of circumcised penis. Ethics. The ethics of infant circumcision is a complex topic and the answers likely depend on one's ethical system. The benefits of infant circumcision appear to outweigh the risks and harms. Additionally, it is safer to be circumcised as an infant than as an adult, and a significant portion of the benefits of circumcision accrue to infants and children. From a strictly utilitarian perspective, infant circumcision should therefore be encouraged, whether we consider society as a whole or only the boy in question. However, autonomy is an important value, and while a man can become circumcised, missing only some of the benefits of having been circumcised as an infant, it is impossible to effectively restore the foreskin and become de-circumcised. An ethical system that heavily values personal choice over cost-benefit analysis may reasonably reject circumcision, especially one that rejects currently widespread societal assumptions about parents making decisions for their children. Furthermore, many of the benefits of circumcision accrue only to men who have sex with women. For men who exclusively have sex with men, and for men who do not have sex, the benefits and risks are close to equipoise. There is a moral concern with performing a procedure that can thus tend to reinforce heteronormativity and sex normativity. This audio version of Slate Star Codex is provided with the permission of Scott Alexander. I am not Scott, I'm Jeremiah, and you can find me at wearenotsaved.com, where I also have a podcast. For anyone wishing to reference this content, please do so by linking to the original post. If you think having an audio version of Slate Star Codex is valuable, 
and you have nothing better to do with your money, consider donating at patreon.com slash sscpodcast, or leave us a review somewhere. Finally, I'd like to thank Solenoid Entity 7425 for doing sound editing. You can find him on Discord. Until next time.